0: Well, relationships are important. I mean, we love relationships. We need them. When you think about your relationships. First of all, the relationship with opposite sex, whether it's a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and then there's the, the relationship with parents and children and some of the best friends you have, all of those kind of things that are so important. But probably, when you really sit down to it and say, what's the most important relationship that you'd have, it would be our relationship with God. Why? Because he's the creator of all things, and he made us, and he formed us, and he redeemed us, he sustains us, and our relationship with God is probably the most important relationship we have. Now, the truth is this, not everybody has a relationship with God. Not everybody does, only those who believed in Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you come into a relationship with him, and that's salvation. And and, and by faith in Jesus Christ, we have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is called eternal life. And that's why we got to grasp something that the Bible talks about a second death and eternal life. All human beings are going to exist forever. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ have an eternal relationship with Jesus called eternal life. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ do not have a relationship with him. They have what's called the second death, and they'll be separated from him forever. So that's what we're talking about. Now, with that, with that uh, understanding, we understand that there is a difference between our relationship with God and our fellowship with God. Now, think about that. A relationship never changes. You have eternal life. The moment you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you become a child of God, you're born again, you have eternal life, you have an eternal relationship with him, and it'll never change. And that's why some people, when they say things like, well, you could lose salvation, you say, what? So you could lose eternal life? Then it wasn't eternal life. Then you weren't a child of God. Then you weren't born again. Then you, you know, so the bottom line is, uh, you cannot lose eternal life, and you cannot lose that eternal relationship. However... Fellowship can change. Fellowship is when you're in fellowship with him and you're connected with him. We can lose our fellowship with God whenever we sin. And so that's possible that sin destroys our fellowship. It does not destroy our relationship. It can never destroy our relationship, but it could destroy our fellowship. We're going to be talking in these weeks about how God looks at us and how he describes us in the scripture. Think about this. Sometimes we're called children. John 1, 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God, even those who believe in his name. So we become in the family of God. Sometimes he calls us saints, which 1 Corinthians 2 talks about saints, those holy ones, set-apart ones. The the Greek word for saint is hagios, which means a set-apart one. That means when you trust Jesus Christ, you're set-apart. You were dead in this world. Now you're alive in Christ. Sometimes we're called ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20, that we're ambassadors for Christ, we're representatives of Christ. Sometimes we're just called God's people. And and uh, and sometimes God's peculiar people. He, does, he calls Israel that all the time. He calls us that sometimes. Second Corinthians five seventeen. He calls us a new creation. That kind of thing. And but there's a name that is used over and over and over. And we're called this. We're called the church. We're called the body of Christ. We're called those who are believers. So when we're going to talk about it, it's used. The word church. You in this aspect of relationship is used seventy seven times in the New Testament. So it's used all the time. So what is the church? How is the church described in the relationship to Christ? Because if you say, we're the church, some people, they're so confused. They say things like, oh, the church. uh, Y'all's church is out on 6th Street. No, that's a building. That's not the church. This is the building the church meets in. Some people think church is an event. Are y'all going to have church or not? Are y'all going to have church on Sunday morning or not? Church is not an event. Church is the people. Church is the body of Christ. Church is the so we're going to see that the Bible it describes it in a number of ways. Our relationship and our fellowship aspect we got, especially relationships. So let me give you kind of a preview of what we're going to see over these weeks to come. We're going to see Christ as a shepherd, and we're the what? We're the sheep. Uh, Christ is the groom and we're the bride. Christ is the last Adam, we're the new creation. Christ is the great high priest, we're the priest. Christ is the vine, we are the branches. Christ is the head, we are the body. Christ is the cornerstone, we are the building blocks. And so over the next few weeks, and you may have seen this before, and you may have studied this before, it'll just be a good review for you if you have. It's really amazing to look at the Bible and to see that God says, I'm the good shepherd, you're the sheep. I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm the great high priest. You are the priest. I am the cornerstone. You are the building blocks. So it's going to be kind of fun, I think, to go through this. This is why I wanted to do it. And so I think we'll have a lot of fun as we go through it. But before we get into each one of those, I think this morning, for just a brief time, and then we can go to our grow group rooms, we need to, we need to look at what I call four things to kind of put this together. And I can go through them real quickly, and we can have more time when we get to the groups. But we're going to look at four questions like, what is the church? Who formed the church? How was the church formed? And what's the purpose of the church? Now, that last one, everybody already knows the answer to that already. We talked about it so many times. In fact, you should know the answer to every one of these. But what we want to do is just take a little bit of time and let's talk about it. So what is the church? And as we said earlier, the church is not a building. The church is not an event. The church is an organism. It's made up of People who have come together. In fact, what we say, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ek means out of, kaleo means to call. So ekklesia, kaleo that's one way to put it. That ek, kaleo would be a verb form. This is the noun form, ekklesia, which means the called out ones. You were dead in trespassing and sins. You were in a fallen world. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, he calls you out of a fallen world. And brings you in a relationship with Him forever. That's what we are. We are the called out ones. We were dead in sin; now we're alive in Christ. And and when you think about it, from Adam and Eve up to Abraham, the into, uh, to entire human race could be say could be divided into two groups: believers and unbelievers. And then when the church came along, when God, Jesus, and Jesus talked about it, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. But Jesus talked about, "I will build my church." And all of a sudden, there's this group, us which has never been before. And, and I'm going to show you some things in a minute. It's made up of both Jews and Gentiles. We'll call the church. Let me show you something. In the Old Testament, always just going all the way back. Just keep going all the way over that way. If you go that way, you've got, you've got two groups of people, basically. You've got Jews and Gentiles. And Jews believed in the true God. Sometimes Gentiles believed in the true God. And then Jesus Christ came, and he offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. He offered himself as the Messiah and the Savior. He offered himself as the King of Israel, and there was a rejection there. And there were some people who believed in him, but as a whole, the nation of Israel rejected him, and most innocents rejected him. He died and rose again, paying for sin, sent into heaven, and now we're the church, and the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles, called out ones put into the body of Christ, and we're the church, and we're, we're, we are a mystery. Most of the time, we put a little parenthesis around it because when you look at the Old Testament, there is no mention, no mention whatsoever of the church, the body of Christ, never mentioned, and so here we are. We're unique and, and different, different than any group that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Think about that. I mean, we all say, oh, the Jews, yeah, Jews. Yeah, they're amazing, aren't they? God, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob on down, uh, these people group who are just an amazing people that God gave land to, he gave a blessing, he gave all the kind of thing, the Messiah came through the Jewish people, the word of God came through the Jewish people, and yet God said, I've set them aside for a while, and I've got this group I'm calling that called out ones the church which is made up of jews and gentiles who believe in jesus and i place them together look at this verse right here ephesians two fourteen. for he himself god jesus christ himself is our peace who made both groups what groups jews and gentiles and he brought them into one and broke down the barrier the dividing wall you know what the what the barrier was the barrier was the law So what does he do? He actually brings Jews and Gentiles together into one body called the church. Now, we have to admit that most of the church nowadays is Gentile. When the church first started, most of the church was Jewish. And then as it began to spread out and many Jewish people rejected, but many Gentile people believed. And so today, if you said, is the church mostly Jewish or Gentile, we would say the church is mostly what? Gentile. Gentile. But it's the Jew and Gentile together. Listen to this. This The church was the mystery, not told about. This is Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to look at it, if you, you, I told you to open up to chapter 2, uh, and that's the verses there, but chapter 3, my Bible is all on the same page. Chapter 3 verse 5 says this, talking about the mystery of Christ and the church, and he says, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, but has now been revealed by the holy apostles and prophets. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body and partakers of the promises in Jesus Christ through the gospel. So God says, I'm going to take Gentiles and Jews and I'm bringing them together. I'm removing the barrier. I'm taking the Jews who have always been considered my people. I'm going to take them and whoever believes in Jesus and Gentiles, whoever believes in Jesus, and I'm putting them together into one body. you realize how unique we are? There's never been a group like it, ever, ever. Never been a group like it. I mean, they're from Adam and Eve. They're Gentiles, by the way. Adam and Eve were Gentiles. Noah was a Gentile. And then all of a sudden, you find this man named Abram, who God set him apart and said, I'm going to make your people group. And Abram became what we'd say the first Jew. God changed his name to Abraham. And from Abraham to Isaac, and Isaac to Jacob, and Jacob the 12 tribes. And they, so there's a Jewish people. So then there's Gentiles and Jewish people. And they've always, Gentiles have always been able to believe in the Messiah and the Savior. Always. Whether they did or not is up to them. Jewish people are supposed to represent him, but they continued to rebel. So at a point in time in history, God sent Jesus, offering to Israel their king, Offering to the world salvation, a light unto the Gentiles, and a Savior to the Jews, and they rejected him. And so what God is doing is said, okay, he died and rose again, he's sent to heaven, and now I'm going to take Jews and Gentiles, and whoever believes in Jesus, I'm putting them together in a body that I never told anybody about. I never told it in the Old Testament. It was a mystery. I'm putting them together into one body called the church. So the next time people say, where's your church? You could say, scattered all over this town. Or you could say, do you mean the building? Or don't be a smart I Just say, well, where's our church? That's how, you know, you could, you know. So here's the second big question that is, who formed the church? Who formed the church? Now, I'm going to show you something a little bit unique, and here's the first one christ formed the church matthew 16 18 jesus said and i say to you peter and upon this rock your confession of faith i will build i will future i will build my church and the gates of hades shall not overpower it from the church hadn't started when jesus was there jesus said i will it's future i will build my church so jesus is the one that basically builds the church in that sense and 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 how by faith by faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of the church. Every one of this room you've trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, you're actually the church, which is the body of Christ. Now, what we do is we meet together in smaller groups. That's what we do. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but all the believers can't meet together at one time in the whole world. I mean, so the, all over the world, anybody that's believed in Jesus Christ is part of the church today. So there's the universal church, there's a local church, and that kind of thing. Then the second thing is the Father brought about the church. He put all things, the father put all things in subjection under Christ's feet, gave him head, he let Christ be head over all things to the church, which is his body. He says, Christ will be the church and that's his body, but the father's the one that did that. The father says, Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his body. That's why when we say things like, we're the body of Christ, and people go, what are you talking about? What do you mean the body of Christ? Well, he says, we're we're the body. Paul later on says, I'm going to show you an analogy. He's the head, and we're the body. And we got arms and hands and feet and legs and eyes and everything else, and we've got all different gifts, talents, and abilities, but we all come together into one body, and he's the head. And we'll see that as we go through our study. Guess who else? had something to do with the church. That's the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. For just as the body is one, there's one body, the church, yet there's many parts. Yeah. Well, all the parts of the body, though there are many, they're just one. So is Christ. This is the way Christ is. For by one Spirit, Holy Spirit, we were all baptized, identified into one body. What's the body called? The body of Christ. Whether Jew or Greek, whether Jew or Gentile, whether slave or free, we're all made to drink of the one Spirit. Who placed us in the body of Christ? who did? Holy Spirit placed us in the body of Christ, right? Isn't that what it just says? For by one, look at this right here, for by one Spirit, we were all identified. That's what baptism means, identified into one body. Holy Spirit places us in the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts as well. So the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, Jesus says, (laughs) you're I'm forming this, I will build my church. The Father says, I've made him the head, you're the body. And the Spirit says, I'm placing you in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. When when you hear the term, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what do you think of? Nobody wants to say, but the truth is when, when most people hear the term baptism of the Holy Spirit, they think of something from a charismatic vein in which somebody gets the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues or a different or something. Baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Holy Spirit places you in Christ. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit right here, for by one Spirit we're all baptized in the one body. So when somebody says to you, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You say, that's when the Holy Spirit places someone who believes in Jesus, places them in the body of Christ, gives them the spiritual gifts. So that that's what it is. That's how it fits together. So who formed the church? Christ, the Father, and the Spirit. Here's the next question. And how was the body formed? And we got all kind of different things, but the emphasis I wanted you to see is right here. Be on guard. Paul is... Paul has called together the elders of the church of Ephesus, and here's what he says to them. Be on guard for yourselves and your flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the body of Christ, to shepherd the church of God, that's us, which he purchased, God purchased with his what? His own blood. How was the church formed? By the blood of Christ. Listen, I'm going to, uh, I've got a course I'm teaching this fall calling the world of Christ or Jesus and his world. And, and when you get to lesson twelve, if you can hang on that long, we're going to actually dig this whole thing about Jesus paying for the sins of all mankind. When did he pay for the sins of mankind? On the cross, when he died. Died, died when? Died spiritually? Died physically? What about forgiveness? Is forgiveness different than payment? And we're going to look at. We're going to have a one whole lesson just on that thing. And so when we look at this, he in his own blood. Purchased us. Jesus died and paid for our sins. First Peter 1.18, We're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the what? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Is that amazing? The, the eternal God, Jesus Christ, a spirit being, left the glories of heaven, became a human being, flesh and blood, so that he could die in our place, shed his blood, and pay for the sins of the world. That's, that's hard to conceive. The Father is a spirit being, and he is one right now. God's a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The spirit is a spirit being. Jesus Christ was a spirit being until Galatians 4.4, 4, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. At exactly a perfect time, Jesus Christ, the eternal God, became a person and shed his blood. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. Takes the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, brings us together. We were far off, now we're all together by the blood of Christ. Wow, is that amazing? I mean, we we know this, I mean, we know it's not that big a deal, but we should be going, oh my gosh, that's a big deal. We got one more thing. What's the purpose of the church? I could stop right there and just say, everybody knows it. Everybody knows the purpose of the church. We know Matthew 28, 18 to 20 is to make disciples. That's the purpose of the church. But let me just show you something that goes together. We've talked about this so many times, but I just want to remind you of this body. We have a purpose, a plan, and a process what is our purpose? Is to make disciples. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You're going, baptizing, teaching. That's the bottom line. You go where they are, you lead them to Christ, you identify them with Christ, and then you train them and equip them. That's the purpose, to make disciples. How do we plan to do that? Ephesians four twelve. we plan to equip believers to do the ministry so the body can be built up. Who does the ministry? You do, right? You do. Don't say me do. You do, right? Uh, I I get the help. I mean, I get part of it because I'm part of the body as well. We're equipping each other to do ministry to build up the body of Christ. When I was gone, Adam, when did you teach? You taught one time. I mean, think about this. We got a guy in the church. He can get up and teach the Bible just as good as anybody. You can teach the Bible as good as anybody. You can take people and you can take them and take them through the truths. That's what we're all here for. We're training one another to equip each other to do ministry so that we can build up the body. That's the plan. And then there's the process. We call it gathered and scattered. We gather together on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning. We gather together. And then we scatter. We scatter out through the community. So right now we're gathered. And at about 12-something, it's going to scatter everywhere all over the community. And we always talk about going from big groups to small groups because that's the key, big groups. And then we go to our small groups. And those small groups are so important. And I know with the virus coming, it has wiped out some of our small groups. Some of our small groups that had 20 and 25 people in them have six, seven people in them. And people aren't coming. Well, I know. I know. And then I say to people, whenever you feel comfortable, you come. But let me tell you, getting in a small group with other people is vital. It is vital. And so that, that's sort of the, the key there. Uh, so gather, scattered. So here's the bottom line. 2 Timothy 2.2, the church to make disciples. And so when we think about the church, it's unique, made up of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, those who believed in him for eternal life. This is a special and unique relationship between Christ and the church. And as we go through this study, we're going to see we're the sheep and the bride and the new creation and the priest and the branches and the body and the building blocks. And what does that mean to us? What does that mean to us when we start studying this and find out you're, you're a branch? What does that mean? What are you supposed to do if you're a branch? If you're supposed to produce fruit, exactly. So we'll see it. Let me give you some applications, and then we'll, we'll go in there. Let's realize the importance of our relationship to Jesus Christ. It's an eternal relationship. And, and let me tell you what's so great about this. I talk to people, and you talk to people, and they don't know if they're saved. They do not know if they're saved. And if you said to them, you think you're going to heaven? They say, I think I am. And and if you said, well, why do you not know? And they say, well, I, I hope so. I think so. And there are people who are taught that, first of all, that you have to do good works to be saved, so they never know if they've done a good, enough good works. And then they're taught that you can believe in Jesus, but if you don't do enough good works or keep on doing good works, either you were never saved or you lose it. A pastor, it was on TV that they told me the other day, pastor was on TV that is famous, probably one of the most famous pastors in America, said, if you do not persevere to the end and live righteously, you were never saved. That's what he said. Now, let me tell you something. Do you know if you're going to persevere to the end and live righteously? So then you can't know even now if you're saved because you do not know the future. You could say, well, right now I'm doing good, but you don't know what's going to happen five years from now, 10 years from now. You don't know what's going to happen. So if your security is dependent on your faithfulness, you can never have security. You can never, you can never have assurance of your salvation. But if your security is based on Jesus Christ, you can have assurance of salvation because you can say, these things were written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may what? Know that you have eternal life. That's why this is so vital. We have an eternal relationship. Second, Let's understand how the church was formed. Formed by Christ the Father, Christ the Father, and the Holy Spirit. It's formed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it was formed to make disciples by equipping the believers to do the ministry. So the last thing, just to get us there, let's fulfill the purpose of the church. That means, who's supposed to be teaching people? All of y'all, not just me. I mean, that's my gift. I love it. I'm going to do it a bunch, as much as I can, for as long as I can. I love it. I can hardly wait to do it every Sunday. I can hardly wait to do it. And some of you say, well, I I could hardly wait never to do it. Okay, well, okay. But just remember this. You can take what you know. It doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be up in front of a bunch of people. It can be meeting with somebody over a kitchen table. It could be over at coffee somewhere. You can just talk about the truths of the Bible and help people understand it. That's our role. Equip the saints to do the ministry. Build up the body of Christ.